Bookcase and Coffee presents Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. On this episode of A Quick Shot of Romance, I am joined by Patreon Lindsay, and we are reviewing Lessons from a One Night Stand by Piper Rain, and this is Bailey's book one. Welcome back to the podcast, Lindsay. Thanks for having me back. So happy to be here. So Lindsay is going to go ahead and read the synopsis from Goodreads. If you're a guy like me and you find yourself having banged your sexy new boss, the school principal, in the back of your Jeep one drunken night, here's a few takeaways based on my experience. Lesson one, always get her full name. Lesson two, consider asking what she does for a living. Lesson three, find out why she's moved to town. Get details. Details are crucial. Lesson four, don't alter her bio in front of an auditorium of high school students unless you know she has a sense of humor for that sort of thing. Lesson five, if you ignore lesson four, apologize instead of flirt when you're sent to the principal's office. Lesson six, never sleep with her again. Lesson seven, pay attention to this one. It's the most important of them all. Don't fall for your one night stand. Class dismissed. Okay, so this was released February 7th, 2019, and the tropes are small town, one night stand, co-workers, rom-com, and there's probably a couple more mixed in there. And it's a steam level about (laughs) two, because there isn't, like, there's some really steamy moments, but there's not a lot of them. It's really spread out, too. Mm -hmm. Really spread out. I have noticed that they, Piper Rain, they either do, like, a slow burn, or it's, like, more sporadic. Like, they're not super steamy overall like the moments are are pretty steamy but yeah there's a lot of world building and relationship building and there's a her this book was jam-packed with things happening it was this was book one of a nine book series not counting the novellas because there's extra novellas mixed in also so there there is a lot of character introduction in world building in this book overall. But it you still don't lose the relationship between Austin and Holly, though, which I thought was nice. Because I feel like there are some books where they start with the world building. Like, you kind of don't get enough of the two main characters to be satisfied. Yeah, and I also like, like, for Austin, I felt like the world building really fit well with his narrative in particular because his family was such a huge reason why he was in small town Alaska and why he'd stayed there and it was a really big motivating factor for his whole storyline so I felt like Mm -hmm. setting up this series with his book in particular wasn't necessarily distracting it was a really good move yeah let's talk about that actually so Austin's mom and dad and the like the Bailey's mom and dad passed away it's been a few years Um, Austin was in college at USC I think it was and he had designs to go into major league baseball or coach at a college level or do something like that. And then his parents passed away. So after college, he moved home to be Mr. Mom, as he likes to say, um, and take care of his younger siblings. He and Savannah are the oldest two. She took over the timber company and he took over the household. They kind of split the divide and, and raised their siblings Yeah, and it seemed like he took on more of a hands-on role with raising the siblings where Savannah managed the family company. Um, That Mm -hmm. was more of her forte. And 
I think that's a really interesting move, especially for a male character. Um, we see, I think, in romance a lot of times where the hero makes a lot of self-serving decisions and he has this come to Jesus moment at the end where he's like oh love is important to me now and I do Mm -hmm. think we get a little bit of that with Austin but he was in this role of he has really strong family values and he's really very passionate about his family but then at the same time because he made the decisions he did at such a young age you see him struggling now like 10 years later after being in Mm -hmm. this role of a parent for 10 years he's finally got um the last siblings going off to college and he is finally in this place where he can look forward like what's next for him he can look forward and actually make decisions for where he goes from here well and i thought that was an interesting thing because he he is at that point where he's trying to look forward but he's almost stuck and they've talked about it like how he's stuck going back Like he wants to go back to where he was going before, but so much has changed like over the past 10 years. And he has changed so much over the past 10 years, but he doesn't recognize it until all these little things are happening, but it takes him until this like Dory moment at the end of the book where he's like, oh, all of this has changed and this is not where I'm supposed to be going anymore. Yeah, and I I really like the way that was handled too. There's a lot of dialogue between him and Phoenix. I think she's the youngest one who gives him a lot of trouble in the mm-hmm. book. And yeah. it's really interesting to me because they're both in a very similar place. And I felt like emotionally a lot of why he struggled so much with Phoenix was because they were she's in a very him. similar place and she knew what she wanted and Austin was holding her back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it well, was I- very interesting. Um I, I really like that dynamic throughout the whole book because that I did like, too. They were constantly pitted against each other and it was funny and infuriating all at once. <laughs> well, and I think for Phoenix and Sedona, because they're the youngest two, they're 18, but I feel like for them, there's a little bit more of a, a muddled relationship there because yes, he is their brother, but he has been the dad for more of their life than he has not been the dad. And so they have that, that odd dynamic where he is their caregiver. He's their rule maker. He is this, this, and this, but at the same time, like he is their brother. And so they, they almost fight (laughs) the, like the dynamic between the types of relationships that they want to have and that they do have. Yeah, that's a really good point. So let's talk Holly and the way (laughs) Austin introduces Holly on her first day at school. So he, Austin has a pretty good sense of humor. I often laughed at like his little quirks and antics and things that he does and says, but he, so the school is getting a new principal. The old one has went on maternity leave. He has not met this principal. He has not seen this principal. He only knows that it is principal Radcliffe, right? Radcliffe. I think so. Um, And so he makes jokes about this new principal. And I can't remember exactly what they were aside from her, like, streaking. They're streaking, like, mentioned. And he turns and sees his Jeep one night stand and is shocked and awed and floored. And Holly's reaction and the way she basically schools him professionally 
I just loved. I really liked her. I thought she handled the whole situation of, you know, like she has a mental freak out in the book, but like outwardly, mm-hmm. the per- the perception that Austin would have had of her, she's cool as a cucumber in that whole situation. She handled yeah. it very well. And like, I like that she didn't just say, okay, well, we're attracted to each other and we've already blurred these lines. So let's just, you know, see what happens next. Like she was like, no, we're going to be professional and I'm taking Mm -hmm. this seriously and my job is my priority. And I thought that was really like that, that was really a driving factor for why it took them so long to get together. um, It was because she... And it wasn't what he said. It wasn't the fact that, like, he basically threw her under the bus in a way, like, in her initial, re- like, introduction to the school. It had nothing to do with that. It was the fact that they were co-workers. Like, she was an authority figure in this new school. Like, she was brand new to the area. Like, and she wanted to keep everything separate. Like, she wanted to be respected and well-liked in her position and did not want him to be a defining defining factor in any of it no matter how well-liked he is. Like, she wanted to stand on her own two feet with no help from anybody. It also doesn't help that nothing in that town is a secret. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> so Holly herself, she's very strong, and but she's a, and smart, but she has a lot of insecurities. And one of those main things is stemming for one of the big reasons for her showing up in Alaska in the first place. So her dad lives in Alaska, who I don't want to spoil who he is, but he is a jerk of epic proportions. Yeah, he really is. I felt very bad for Holly. And then I felt really bad that she was, you know, I felt like we got to know Holly so well throughout the book. And then by the time it came to light who he was and what Mm -hmm. the impact of that was, like Holly was held in such poor regard for something she really had no control over. She didn't know her father. No. And she, you know, had a very, you know, strong set of morals. Like she, you know, her priority was doing right by her students. And like, she didn't mm-hmm. just write these kids off when they were getting in trouble. She wanted to understand what was going on and right. try to connect with them and try to make the situation better, you know, identify a root cause and then make the situation better. So she cared deeply about the things that she did. And then you see her dad and he doesn't care about anything except mm-hmm. money. Right. And so, well, and one, one thing <laughs> I like too, though, is when all that goes down like Austin is very quick to protect her and fight for her and say like you you are saying these things but she has no like she doesn't know him like he has not been a part of her life but she does the same for him like in his family like she protects them and stands up for them and it goes both ways and I thought that that was really good because they they subconsciously like fought for these people that they're just friends and just like they're just friends with benefits like they were just friends like but they weren't just friends no they were never just friends it was very cute like (laughs) there's an element of sabotage in the book where the kids are trying um one of the kids are trying to you know keep them from being together and then like he goes out for this run to her house (laughs) across town at a certain hour of night so they can hook up and (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just it's kind of it's kind of funny it's 
I, yeah, there's a lot of like <laughs> silly elements, but like not over the top silly, and not like none of them are unthinkable. Like there's no outrageous moments that you're like, could this really happen? Like why is this happening? Yeah, it's very much a situational comedy type of rom com. I thought like some very relatable. Mm-hmm very funny there were a lot of funny moments these are long books i felt like they were very long books they are there's a lot of plot in them so it keeps you interested along the way um and but a lot of that plot that's built in definitely makes it feel like a slower burn but it's so worth it like it is (laughs) so so many characters and like to really get to know who the main characters are and then to tie into the series as a whole i feel like all of it i didn't really feel like there's anything you could cut i really enjoyed all of it i mm-hmm. really love their grandma i like how they have how she, like she's dory but not the fish but then she has like the blue tint to the hair and nobody nobody comments about it because then she gets very upset but she came before the fish so she's the original <laughs> yes and she's kind of like their compass like she's very mm-hmm. much her own free spirit at this point but she's very much a fan of guiding compass for the whole family she doesn't really meddle um there's a fine line between like well yeah you're right i mean she meddles but but she meddles in a way that like nobody like they all know she's meddling but she's almost like so obvious about it this that like they know she's doing it but she's very underhanded also because she has like sneaky meddling going on that they don't know about but then the obvious stuff that they do know about so they miss the sneaky over the obvious so she has like both both sides to that and then she has her cohorts to help her like she has her like all her nursing home friends so like <laughs> that do stuff too yeah. but then let's talk a little bit about the star lake the lake starlight buzz wheel so it is this Facebook group that gives all the details of all the happenings in Lake Star Lake, but it is an anonymous, it is an anonymous um, thing. Nobody knows who posts um, and it only stays up for a certain amount of time. So when something big happens, like it is on bus wheel. And so Austin and Holly's original hookup, like it was captured with the steamy, steamy handprint a la Titanic <laughs> was captured and talked about. And it's like, who is Austin like hanging out with? Because that that one night stand was very out of character for him because that is not something that he does. But it was captured. And then like there's little things that happen that are always on there. But I just think that's one of the funniest things because it's such a big part of like the the series as a whole, this buzz wheel. Yes, and it's like everybody kind of dreads being on or featured by buzz wheel, but like nobody in that town can just stay off it. Like they don't want to be <laughs> on it, but they want to be on it at the same time. It's yeah. like, or they don't want to be on it, but they want to know people on it so they know what's going on. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a you wake up in the morning and you check the buzz wheel kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You see all the hot news that's happening. It's like um, it's your hot it's the hot news exactly. It's like what happened last night while everybody was sleeping. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit towards the end of the story when Austin is going to his new job. 
I really like the way that that entire scenario played out. I thought the decisions that Holly made and the way that like she went about things was genuine and organic. And I think the fact that Austin, I wanted to just smack him because he was so oblivious to everything around him and like just little subtle clues like he he didn't get. Then he he kind of dropped a whole slice of like he didn't drop breadcrumbs he dropped like a whole slice of bread and then nothing because mm-hmm. it started out with him asking Holly to come to Southern California with him because yeah. he had this position lined up he was interviewing for this position and planning to move and Holly was going to be uprooted again after her position ended so they were both looking to leave like starlight at the same time and Mm -hmm. holly didn't have a what's next step planned out so the way that panned out i i agree i really liked the way that holly handled it and i felt like austin needed to be smacked for sure because he you know he asked holly to move with him and then nothing there was nothing well, he's just then, kind of like nothing now <laughs> well because he asked but then that other thing happened and so like she kind of had a what's next and he was like well then and then that's it and he just left it at that and it was like it was up to her to make the next move which i thought was dumb like it shouldn't be up to her like she is making decisions for herself like you know like her reality you know her her past her situation like you she felt so comfortable there and like they talked about how much she loved that little town and all of the comforts of it. But he just, he, he, he should not have made, like wanted her to make the next step. Like that no. was, I just was frustrated with him. I was too. And I thought it came from like, he was in this position where the last time he'd made a decision for himself was 10 years ago. So he was kind of in this loop where, okay, well, I'm going to take care of my siblings for 10 years and go right back to where I was when mm-hmm. that ended. And what it came down to was like, when you're taking care of other people, you're not able to really prioritize yourself. And it seemed like he really hadn't prioritized himself at all or figured right. out even what he wanted or what was next for him. And then all of a sudden he meets Holly and he falls in love with Holly. And he's still mm-hmm. like, so tunnel vision on this. I'm going back to where I was 10 years ago yeah. um, to pick up where things left off and but move forward. That, and that's the thing, like but he, life he made so much growth, <laughs> but like he didn't recognize that. Like no. he is not the person he was 10 years ago. He is completely different, but he, he was stuck in this like cycle of, chaos in his head and he was so stubborn about it he was like even but i just love the way it happened knew things didn't feel right and he was like getting inklings about doing things that would derail his plan he still stuck on his plan <laughs> yeah i mean if you read the book like you know like where he has his moment and you're like it took him that long to have that moment and the only reason he had that moment is because of who like who like told him to have like he's having this moment and like he needs to have this moment like he didn't even really figure it out for himself but once he did and it clicked he's like i'm a dumbass but yeah (laughs) okay so did you like this book i did i enjoyed it a lot um, there was a lot of world building in it, but I thought it was really good overall. And the one part, I always talk about the epilogue. The only That's thing okay. I didn't like was how the epilogue 
bled more into book two versus just reinforcing Austin and Holly's happily ever after. That's a pet peeve of mine. But it is, and that, this is I really this is one it. of Piper Rain. Like when they do a series, like that is one of their go tos. Like they tease into the next book for the, but it's it bothers me sometimes. But like this is one of their like set things that they do. So like, you know, you know, it's there, you know, it's coming. So it doesn't bother me as much with these two. Yeah. I like this book a lot too. It's not my favorite in the series. Um, I actually liked Sedona's book, The Best, which is the last book, <laughs> um, which is terrible because I had to wait till the very end. Um, but it is a really good start to the series. So who would typically like this book? I think any lover of rom-com and especially summer reading challenge participants who need to check their Alaska romance box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <Me>. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fans of family groups. Cause this is a big family group. You get all of the siblings um, and is definitely a small town. So would you recommend this book? Yes. Uh, yes. I read it. And then I actually read a couple of the follow-up books Mm -hmm. as well I I hadn't read this series before so yes I really enjoyed it it's a very lighthearted read overall even with how heavy some of the moments are and some Mm -hmm. of the topics are it's done really well and it didn't give you a book hangover it was just like a really nice it's a nice palate cleanser in Mm -hmm. a sense like it's, it's not heavy it's not it's it's a good book it's an enjoyable book but it's not so heavy that like you're lost for a couple of days after you read it yeah. Which sometimes those books are great, but you don't always want them. You don't want to read them back to back to back. <laughs> exactly. So I too um, recommend this and like, I recommend this whole series like over and over again, just because I really like, it's one of those books where you have, if you're going to read the first one, you have to read all of them because you don't want to miss any of Dory and the Baileys because she is such a defining character throughout this entire series. And she is, I think she is my all-time favorite Bailey. Yeah, I think I have finished three books. I'm reading the rest of the series. I had to stop to get some more bingo squares, but I'm going <laughs> to finish this series. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, I'm really excited about it. I hadn't read it before, and I really like... I, one of the things that she does really well is she captured small-town Alaska so well. Like, um, I've spent a lot of time in a couple small towns in Alaska and mm-hmm. the dynamics, the way people know each other, uh, the, you know, the intersection of tourists coming in and out and, you know, people being there. They, she did a really good job capturing that element. And then like the total fascination they have with people who, who are new, who stay longer than like a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really good too. So yes, I'd recommend it. Highly <laughs> recommend it. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining me for this quick shot of romance. Thank you. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.